Holiness is a call to all people. Mission is a call to all people, all people. Our communion the same way, each with different gifts. Welcome back, everybody, to the Valdoco podcast. I'm Nikki. I'm Father Steve. And we're here with two very special guests. We have, who's here? Hi, I'm Sister Denise Sickinger, daughter of Mary Hope Christian. Beautiful. And who else is here? I'm Father Tom Dunn. I'm a Salesian of Don Bosco. Wow. Hey, man, we got the two big uh, big names here, big names here <laughs> on the podcast. And we are excited to have you both here. Yes. So thank you for taking the time. Thank you for making the space. We are at uh, Mary Help of Christians Academy in Haleden, New Jersey, recording this podcast. And uh, yeah, we're grateful to both of you for, for being here. Um, as we continue on these episodes of uh, figuring out the Salesian family and the Salesian spirituality and all the different aspects of our Salesian spirituality. So we've spoken on many already, and this podcast episode is on the ecclesial or on the dimension of being church, that we as Salesians, the Salesian family, are dedicated to the church, the universal church, to the Pope. Um, we are members of the church, and we, we really love that. And then also our, our dear Blessed Mother, who is uh, the model and uh, the one who shows us the way. So we are yeah happy to have you here. And we're going to start, as we begin, as always, with our two little questions. Um, they're called this or that questions. So I don't think we prepared you for this. But basically, we give you two options. And you have to choose either this or that. Okay? You don't get a choice. Uh, you don't get to make both or anything like that. It's just this or that. So, Vicky, <laughs> why don't you go first? Okay. Ready? So, uh, do you prefer awkward dance party, awkward dance party, or a pizza party? A pizza party. <laughs> <laughs> Pizza party, for oh, sure. Oh, wow. I don't know. I've seen your dance moves, right? <laughs> <laughs> all right. My this or that question is, would you prefer, if you had all the capabilities and nothing hindered you, would you rather explore space or would you ex uh, rather explore the ocean? Oh, I think I'd rather the ocean. Okay. Because I'm closer to the surface <laughs> and someone who's always looking for ways out in case of danger. Uh, <laughs> the ocean. Okay. That's good. I think I would definitely take outer space because <laughs> I can't swim. And uh, also because I just think that's an incredible, vast expanse that just never ends. Mm -hmm. So exploration would be endless. Okay, the next one, not so serious or deep, I guess, <laughs> in both ways. Um, a taco or a burrito? Burrito, you can fit more in it. <laughs> a burrito. <laughs> <laughs> your last question hey, great very simple going back would you prefer to write with a pencil or a pen I write with a pencil you write with yeah. a pencil you can erase it. <laughs> make it look neat again I prefer the pen but I often say that a pencil is more reliable as long as it's got a point it will write that's true very good so thank you for answering those questions we know you a little bit but uh, now we can just ask you to maybe just introduce yourself uh, who are you, Sister Denise, and who are you, Father Tom, and maybe just a quick overview and uh, where you've been, how you got here, uh, but just, you know, the highlights. Go ahead, Sister Denise. <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of like to say that I was born Salesian. Uh, I grew up here in New Jersey, in Halden, but my dad's family and my mom's family were from St. Anthony's on Beach Street in Patterson, where the Salesians were both the sisters and the priests and the brothers. So I was baptized in Salesian Parish at St. Anthony's, and then went to school with our sisters for nine years at St. Gerard's in Patterson. So I think that's a perfect segue into my being the Salesian family delegate for mm -hmm. the Eastern United States, along with Father Tom, and also the delegate on the provincial level to the cooperators, plus teaching our aspirants about the life of St. John Bosco, whom I love infinitely, and the young men in formation to become Salesians about the Salesian family. And then as a side, I drive the bus for the girls <laughs> at the academy and drive them to their games. Wow. So. Well, I was born <clears throat> in Brooklyn, New York, and uh, went to, uh, as a matter of fact, our graduation from grammar school is 65 years coming up this, this, this Thursday. Wow. So it's a, a good time to, uh, to, to rejoice of those roots. Uh, I found out about the Salesians through the Savio Club, somewhat indirectly, the Savio Classroom Club, uh, that the, uh, the 
was current at that time, and uh, went to a retreat, week retreat in Ellenville, Catskill Mountains, and then joined the Salesians about two years later. Uh, from that point on, I was teacher. I studied at uh, Don Bosco College, uh, went to uh, ordination, got ord ordained, and, uh, and then spent about 24 years in Boston uh, in a, ver a variety of, uh, of positions, whether it be teaching in high school and uh, coaching basketball and driving a bus uh, as uh, in mostly religious ed education. And then uh, started working with religious education on the province level and uh, was in Stony Point as director and then uh, uh, was uh, the uh, uh, provincial for, for six years and then uh, uh, for the past three or four years have been the delegate for the Salesian family in our, uh, in our congregation, uh, in, our, in our province. In the middle of that, while I was in Boston, I was for 15 years the director of the Office of Youth Ministry, starting in 1991 and ending in 2006. Wow. 2006. So that's uh, my time. Beautiful. And and this is one of the reasons why we have this this podcast kind of began is the Valdoco podcast, a Salesian family podcast. And we've been waiting to have you both on here because mm -hmm. you are the, the two delegates for, for the FMA and the SDB for the Salesian family um, along with the cooperators, the young people, and uh, you know everything that goes on in our in our province for the Salesian family. So it's it's nice to have you here on the podcast, being that this is the Salesian family podcast. And uh, yeah, we're definitely grateful for you to be here. And um, kind of Thank going you. off that. Oh, go ahead. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> really, like we've waited a long time. <laughs> um, and kind of going off uh, for the time that you were in the diocese of Boston for for some time, and maybe just kind of. To go off that, Sister Denise and Father Tom, if you have something on uh, our role kind of in the church, what is what is this, uh, you know, our love and our respect for the Pope, but, you know, how do we fit in with this church? We're not a separate, <laughs> separate reality. We are very much within um, the universal church. So maybe you can kind of speak quickly and just give us an over, overview of this aspect of our, of our spirituality of being in union with the church, with the Pope, um, in the diocese, things like that. Well, that would certainly come into effect now with the synodality process right. uh, with the synod, which uh, the Salesian family ought to be a part of, ought to be an integral part of. Uh, I must say that before working for the Archdiocese, uh, my focus was on uh, helping young people to be more involved in the overall uh, total apostolate of the school or of the parish where they happen to be a, a member. And when I got to Boston, I realized that that Salesian apostolate, all of those communities were part of a larger church. And uh, not only was it welcome, but it was needed. And it had something to contribute. So I was hired there uh, for the purpose of, uh, of uh, helping parishes and youth ministry leaders in each of the parishes uh, to develop a, a solid program of youth ministry for their young people and for the young adults and for the adult community that would, uh, that would work with the kids. And I found myself, uh, without the explicit jargon of uh, helping them to live the preventive system, helping them to uh, realize and uh, take into their lives those uh, those uh, the three beautiful devotions uh, that were char so characteristic of, uh, of uh, Saint John Bosco and of course Mary and the Holy and, and the Holy Father as well as the Eucharist were a part of that. <clears throat> so it was uh, it, it was a it, it was a time in which I realized that that, that we could bring in uh, all of the things that Don Bosco was um, was uh, concerned with and uh, to uh, help parish leaders, school leaders, to implement them in, in their own lives. And uh, so it was, a, it was an extraordinary moment. Uh, on the national level, there are two things that, uh, that, uh, that Judy Alvarez, who is from uh, the uh, Salesian Cooperator Coordinator in California, and I helped to, 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 to work at, was with the NFCYM, 
uh, to uh, bring a spirituality into their into their uh, national meetings, uh, which was a big big contribution, a big advance. And then secondly, to reach out toward youth that were in prison. So it was a Silesian charism going into the church and uh, contributing it uh, in a in in a in a very substantial way. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. And I think. Also, you know, if we look back in history at both Mother Mazzarello and Don Bosco, we can see that from the very beginning, in both of their lives, they were interested in passing on the faith and helping others to be strong in the faith. In both of their cases, they worked with young people. Um, Mary Mazzarello belonged to a group of young women in the parish who went out and did family ministry and helped gather the girls on the weekends to teach them the catechism, to get them to play, to have them have innocent fun, and to help them come to be good Christian mothers. Don Bosco, we know, with his little oratory out in the backyard, and Becky, and then in other places, too. It wasn't just there that he did the oratory. He also did the same when he was um, at the Molio farm, working for the family there. They were interested in helping people know and live the faith. We move forward and you see Don Bosco saying, I always needed everyone. I always needed everybody's help. But the help wasn't for him. If you look at the first rule of the cooperators, the cooperators were meant to be a support to the Salesians and the Salesian family. However, they were meant to be the bulwark in their local parish. It was not just a matter of sustaining the SDB or the FMA. It was a matter of being out in society and being in the parish and being that strong, faithful presence that would be the right arm to the bishop and to the local pastor that they had and to continue the mission where the Salesians were not of catechesis and of living as faithful members of the church. It's a matter of living out our baptism in the way that God called each of us to live out his or her baptismal promises. Amen. If somebody asked you just quickly, who are the, like, how do I become a cooperator? Who are, I know you just kind of explained the mission of the cooperators, but in who exactly is a cooperator? If you can just explain quickly. Cooperator is one who feels called, uh, to follow Christ in the style of St. John Bosco, in pursuit of holiness, in pursuit of a mission, and pursuit of that communion uh, that uh, is part of Christian life, but also has this special character of Don Bosco in it, and uh, who want to commit themselves to that form of life, and to commit themselves to a life of formation, ongoing formation, <clears throat> of growth, uh, and, uh, and to and to live in accord with the uh, with the project of apostolic life, which is the constitutions of the Salesian cooperators, uh, to uh, make sure that we have built into this form of living everything that we need to grow in holiness, to grow as a full human person, to grow as a member of the church. Uh, it's so easy to leave out this or, or that, become partial or cafeteria Catholics, uh, this uh, this gives us <clears throat> the way of holiness, and, uh, and and it lays out for us the path that uh, we can be sure will lead to holiness, and uh, we can do so with a with a uh, with, with a group of cooperators in a local center and in a in a provincial center and in a worldwide communion uh, that uh, are all looking to the same to the same end of uh, reaching out to the young, especially those who are poorest out of a motive of faith uh, after the manner of St. John Bosco, which is, which is being nourished day by day. One of the ways of becoming a cooperator is to look around where you are and see if there is a Salesian presence already in the area or other people who have been raised in the Salesian family, in a school or parish, and then see how we can work together to perform an apostolate that would be within the Salesian charism. And in order to do that, then there is a, a provincial level organization 
make contact with the Salesian cooperators at the provincial level, with Father Tom, with myself. And then from there, we would move ahead because we would need to have a sense of community. So there would need to be built a new community if there's not one there already of cooperators or a Salesian parish or an FMA school or a youth center. And then from there, we would go with how do we form as cooperators? Being brought into the family, brought into the larger association, it's not a group or a club. It is an official entity of the Catholic Church, worldwide entity of the Catholic Church. Around the world, there are more than 30,000 cooperators, solution cooperators, wow. who make promises for life. I didn't realize it was that much. Was yes, that many. It, it is. It's, it, and actually, actually, in all truth, I think Don Bosco would say, only 30,000. Only, yeah. <laughs> in all honesty, in, in um, Don Rua's time, after Don Bosco had passed on and Don Rua picked up the rectorship, over the whole worldwide Salesian family, there were 300,000 registered oh cooperators. That's, that's amazing. And that's, I mean, it's because I think a lot of people, the mission of Don Bosco of education and evangelizing the youth, you know, is something that I think a lot of people are called to. People, there are a lot of teachers, you know, there are a lot of people who love the faith, who live the faith, who want to teach, who want to accompany young people, but maybe aren't called to consecrated life, mm -hmm. you know, who aren't called to be a brother, a sister, or a priest. And so there's, Many people out there, young people, married couples. I know there was even, wasn't the Pope a cooperator? Wasn't one of the Popes during Don Bosco's time considered a cooperator? Probably prior to that. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's amazing. And there's more people out there. So if you want to become a cooperator, <laughs> call these people right here. Call the Sister I think he declared himself a cooperator. He did, he, yeah. <laughs> An honorary, honorary cooperator. Well, he's actually on the liturgical calendar as a Salesian cooperator. Is he? Yes. Really? When we celebrate Pius IX's feast day. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Should be both. <laughs> <laughs> so then talking about Pope Pius, um, so when you read the words of Don Bosco, he really he loved the Pope. Right. And he loved the popes. Like, I think that was, um, there's really a lot of quotes that are like, um, you know, Salesians are meant to honor, to support, to like be there for the Pope. Um, and so can you speak about um, this, that, that quote, the fidelity to the successor of Peter and of communion and collaboration with the local church. So what does that mean, right? That he, yeah. Why is that important to encourage that? I think, again, you have to look back at, at history here. Don Bosco was living in a time when there were multiple attacks against the church, not only as far as doctrine went, but also physical attacks where they were trying to literally kill the Holy Father or remove him and make him completely um, in, unable to lead the church, the movement of the revolution and of the secularization of Italy. So I think we're living fully developed secularization that was only nascent in Don Bosco's time. So today is the day when, the, when those of us who are baptized need to stand up and need to defend the teachings of the church in the sense that, not that there's anything that needs defense, but not to shrink from the true teachings of the church. Just happened to listen to a podcast yesterday um, of Bishop Barron in which he was speaking, do we need to build walls or do we need to build bridges? And of course, with our mentality today, we say, oh, I have to build bridges so everybody can get along with everybody and everybody. Yes, everybody does need to get along with everybody, but we also need to protect our faith, the fullness of our faith, and be proud of who we are and love our faith and defend the teachings of the church in the sense that we know that the Eucharist is the true presence of Christ, fully human, divine, body, soul, spirit. He's there. And this is not something that we need not to say aloud or that we are, we are pro-life. And these are things that we need to be able to stand up and say, and this is where the Salesian family, when you think about it, literally millions of our past pupils, literally around the world. What a difference we could make if we would be courageous enough to stand, not to you know, put other people down or anything, but 
to really just be faithful to who we are and show our love for our faith and the church that Christ himself established on this earth and left in the care of Peter as first pope. Certainly, the Holy Father, uh, it's, uh, it's, his title is Pontific, uh, Pontifex Maximus, which uh, means the greatest bridge, uh, bridge builder. And uh, for, for him, I think, for, for us, uh, the Holy Father is, uh, is the center of moving forward, of uh, bridging that gap between society and, and faith, uh, or heaven and, uh, and faith, uh, between uh, our spiritual life and our secular life. He's the, uh, the one, at least in my life, uh, particularly in the last 22 years, since the year 2000, I've been paying attention to, in a particular way, uh, for uh, giving direction, giving depth uh, to, uh, to, to to my life and to the church's life, all the way, all the way from Novo Millennio, that that document in the year 2000, which was, which is really a blueprint for the entire third millennium. Uh, that have gone back and read. You know, this was not only an antidote for problems that were coming up, but also for a, a projection into the future, uh, which eventually led to all of these wonderful uh, inspirational uh, pieces, uh, instructional pieces, which we've received. Uh, Laudato Si, for instance, uh, about the, the environment, Amor Satizia, about uh, family and marital love. Uh, these are just coming out one after another after another. It is uh, giving us a framework in which in which we can uh, we can live more fully as uh, disciples of Christ in this day and age. Uh, certainly, as uh, Pope John Paul II, Saint John Pope John Paul II said, uh, uh, that we, 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 as we go out into the deep seas, you know, go out into the deep, we're going to en we're going to encounter some storms. Uh, but the the important thing is to is to keep forward in the direction in which we're heading. Uh, with the with the great faith that the Lord will see us through, and I think that's something when we talk about the Pope. For me, it brings us out of our kind of local that we're not a just a local church. You know, sometimes we can feel like we are just part of this one little parish, and we don't recognize how big and universal our church is. So, you know, listening to the Pope and and having that fidelity to the universal church kind of brings us out of our our sense of I don't know, comfort or that the whole entire world is like my reality where I am. And I think it's important for us to, to get that universal feel of, of, I can't imagine being the Pope and trying to guide, how many are we? A billion Catholics in all different cultures and countries and, and everywhere. So On general and specific, he has to write a book. Yeah, like you're, you're speaking about the faith, but you're also trying to guide a huge flock of very diverse diverse people and uh and so i think it is yeah to to listen to read the documents to to see where the church is moving and then try to trust in the holy spirit and, and to join in that in that uh pilgrimage in that journey absolutely and i and i think you know doug telling on what father just mentioned about the pontifex maximus the the greatest bridge builder if we build the walls to defend our faith, in other words, we stay strong in our faith, and we're not influenced by secularization or by political correctness or whatever you want to call it, but we build also the bridges to go out from inside those walls where we are strong and we're confident to bring it to others, to help others know this great faith, this great church that we have that administers the sacraments of the Lord. Nothing can get greater in the sacraments because it is Christ acting directly in our lives and especially you know in confession and communion as Don Bosco would have it and, uh, and of course Mary being the one as being the complete and total perfect example of a Christian who lives totally for Christ and loves Christ and together with Saint Joseph brings up Christ within a human family and wants to create that unity between 
heaven and earth, which is Christ himself. Yeah, and that's a, a journey, I think, no? to, to be able to personally to learn about my faith, to take an active interest in, in learning what the church teaches and why the church teaches as a mother. Know that our church is, is a mother. Our church is meant to, to care and to nurture her us and to, to give us uh, what we need to live the faith well. So to take an interest and to actually learn about my faith and then to be able to bring that faith to, to others and to, you know, ha- in, a, in a dialogue. I think our, our Pope now is very much, we're leading by attraction. You no, know, it's no more yelling the truth. It's no more screaming the truth. It's, it's really deeply living the truth in my, in my life. Um, and by attraction, entering into conversations with people and accompanying people and walking with them, because it's going to take a long time. I know for me, you know, it wasn't, I believed in one instant, and then I believed for the rest of my life that it was a long journey of battling between some things and trying to figure out why the church teaches this and what does this mean for me in my life. Um, so I think this is something that, you know, all of us, all of us need to live. Uh, I don't know if you have the same experience, Vicky. Just the, like the idea of staying faithful, right? Like I think what gets confused or lost or is that people feel like while they're questioning, while they're looking for answers, they feel like they can't also be in the church. And that's when people I think end up never coming back is because they questioned, but they didn't question out loud or talk to somebody about it or ask or go to the papal documents. That was, um, I didn't know that they existed to be honest for a very long time until I started school. until I started my master's program and, I had to read papal documents for class. I had to, you know, refer to them in the papers that I wrote or in class discussions and get other people's perspectives, which helped with this universal idea of that this document is not meant for me. It's meant for every single person that that that, it, that belongs to the Catholic Church. Um, and so I think first that it's good to question, right? Like we are living in a world that are telling her telling us to live in the, the total opposite way that the church is telling us to live. And so it's natural to question. It's good to question, but question out loud. Like, put yourself in the place that you can dialogue, that you can have a conversation with somebody that knows, that has an answer for you, but has an answer for you, like, that's rooted in, in kindness and compassion, in, in the good truth of, of the, like, the Word of God and the real, like, truth that the, that the Lord gives us. And so I just think that's the most important part for me. That, that helped me so much of having conversations with people that I felt like I could trust about what I thought was like, okay, I don't necessarily understand that. So let me talk about it. Um, and it, I think it helps with staying faithful with the making sure that my faith is protected, but that I can live out in the world and live my life so that the friends that I have that don't believe in the same things can see that just because we don't believe in the same things doesn't mean that I can't be in their life or they can't be a very important pivotal part of my life. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. That's just, it's helped a lot. But that also the documents are there, like read them, like just search up Pope Francis and the family and like, see what comes up, see what he talks about, what he refers to, because he's not only going to talk about what he's written, but what the popes before, what, what, um, church doctors have talked about before so that you can get a fuller and better understanding of like what the faith is. Because if not, it just stays at this very, basic level of wherever you left off learning about the faith. So if you stopped going to Catholic school or you didn't go to church and church is hard to really teach doctrine, going to mass on Sunday, then the last time you learned about the faith, if you graduated from high school is when you were 18 years old. And if you are not 18 years old anymore, that's, there's a lot there that yeah. you can explore as an adult um, or the young person. Yeah. And I think you're exactly right. I think that's part of the church and, and what we're trying to understand is how to remain church and journey together even if we have questions or even if we have doubts or even if we struggle or, you know, how many people are going through a, a really difficult time and, and are struggling, believing in God or struggling mm-hmm. to understand why this happened to me. Why did this person die? Why did I lose my job? Why natural disaster? Like all of these things that we question, but how do we question together, moving together and praying together and listening to each other and that we are still church, even if we, if we struggle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that's, kind of a link of what I want to speak about next is like this unity and diversity. It's something that we have in our Salesian family charter. You know, this, our Salesian family is a, a united family, but very diverse. And it stems from the church who is, she is united, one church, but many cultures, many places, very diverse and very beautiful. Um, so maybe you can speak about, maybe not so much like a theological aspect of that, but 
in your own experience of what you've seen over the days of, of being in the Salesian family, of your, you know, your many years in the church and working in different places, of seeing this united church, but also very diverse and beautiful and complex and all these, uh, you know, kind of maybe more personal experience of that? I think that uh, my experience of uh, the Salesian family <clears throat> has uh, certainly uh, changed over the years. Uh, just as it has uh, with the Salesians of Don Bosco. Uh, 20 years ago, uh, we went to a meeting of the Salesians of Don Bosco at a general chapter. Uh, most of the members looked somewhat like me. <laughs> you know, gray hair, white skin. Uh, as time has gone on, we have certainly taken on the aspect of a missionary society in which we we're far more representative of the, or the leadership is far more representative of the people we serve. Uh, so that this, the last general chapter that I attended, it was light years different uh, from, the, from the first. And it demonstrates the, uh, the, uh, the way in which we are so diverse uh, that, that the holiness is a call to all people Mission is a call to all people, all people. Uh, communion, the same way. And, uh, and each, with, with, each with different gifts. Probably the most surprised I was uh, in my life at Salesian was in 2010, I guess it was, when we went to St. Patrick's Cathedral for the, uh, the relic tour, the Bosco's Relic. And we came in, we didn't know how many people were going to show up at St. Patrick's Cathedral. It was in there for the whole day, the, uh, from the mass in the morning, and uh, it went all the way up to, to the afternoon. And uh, looking at all of these people from all over, almost every nation on earth, <laughs> they were there and all coming up and quiet, you know, uh, uh, showing their reverence for Don Bosco putting their hand on, 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 that, uh, on that glass, leaving pictures of loved ones there. And then uh, Cardinal Dolan came in and, and he said, where did all these people come from? <laughs> <laughs> they came from all over. And then he looked at them and he shouted, Viva Don Bosco. Well, the whole cathedral <laughs> shook with the response, Viva Don Bosco. So it, 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 that for me was the diversity mm -hmm. and the unity. Mm -hmm. uh, that we all share. Unfortunately, we're like distant relatives who really love it when we come together, but we don't do it very often. Yeah. It's a good way to say it. I think my biggest um, enjoyment and experience with the Salesian family, we have, of course, the relationship with the family here in our own province. Um, I've been to a couple of international Salesian family spirituality days. But getting to know them through what I've read about the different groups. We have 32 groups that have been founded and are accepted into the Salesian family as part of it, as a living, breathing part of it. And reading about it, I'm extremely inspired by the SDB or the FMA or the cooperator who just looked around where they were, where they were living, where they were ministering, and seeing a need that was not being addressed, that a Salesian charism, spirituality was definitely called to address, and they address, and they just said, what are we gonna do? Okay, we don't have right now a group that's working with this, these people who need us, let's make a group. And from there, it just grew, and, and people came. And I'm thinking of Father Barriara, whose feast day we just celebrated. He established a group of religious among the lepers, religious women, themselves lepers, or perhaps daughters of lepers, who would not be accepted into other religious orders. And he said, well, these people have a true vocation, these women. He found out in confession. He said, let me go forward with this and see if, and it was accepted by the church. So it just grew out of a need and people who had their hearts open to see that need and say, I want to address it, but I need help. So they formed a group around them. And now 
because they're formed in the Salesian spirituality, they're an official part of our family. And so you've got consecrated religious, consecrated men and women, those who live in society, consecrated singles in society. Um, and you've got married couples, you've got young adults, you've got even one mixed community. It's, it's interesting, as Father mentioned before about Consal Nova, they are married and single and priests and also at one point religious, some FMA were part of the group in the beginning, who live together in community yeah. and minister as a community. Wow. We had them in, in Jerusalem when I was studied there for, for four years. The Kansanova was there doing the, the media for the Patriarchate of Jerusalem and they were very involved and we lived close and they would come over for feast days and we would help them out with different things. But uh, yeah, really beautiful to see what they do and how they live and, and their devotion to St. John Bosco and, and Mary Mazzarello and the Salesian family, but then also their you know unique contribution to, to the church, that they were very involved in the local church, um, but still feel you know very called also to live out Don Bosco's charism in the Salesian family. So, um, and I think that is a beautiful witness of how we are supposed to live, you know, and well, we were, I was preaching yesterday, uh, after, you know, yesterday, today we're recording this on a Monday, yesterday was Sunday, and I was preaching the, of the one body, many parts, you know, in, in the, the second reading to the Corinthians, and how, how beautiful our church, when it's lived well, this one body that is filled with these different parts that are different, unique, but needed, and living up to, uh, you know, following Christ and, and their charisms and, and the different aspects, whether it be priests, sisters, brothers, lay people, young people, old people, you know, everybody having a role to play in this church. And, and when we really live it well, uh, how, you know, the power that ha that has, that, that joyful noise, that joyful um, witness that we could give as, as one united body, but just all the different cultures and generations and ages and genders and everything we have there together as one church. Um, so it could be very... Very beautiful if it's if it's lived well. You know? We're family. So we're family. Yeah. <laughs> we're family. Yeah. Um, and with family, there's always a mother. You know? And I think if we just speak, I don't want to give. We we had an episode a couple weeks ago, or last the first season on on our, our blessed mother and how she is very much uh, influential in the beginnings of the Salesian family and obviously in the church and salvation history. So. Maybe if you could just speak quickly on uh, our devotion to our Blessed Mother and, and how specifically she helps us to be a member, a good member of the church, a good disciple of her son. I think the first thing you'd have to start <clears throat> is that beautiful quote from Scripture, the, the mother of Jesus was there. Uh, that was from Cana, the miracle of Cana, the mother of Jesus was there, which certainly is uh, far applies to far more than just that one incident. Uh, the mother of Jesus was there in so much of Jesus' life and so much of the, of the, uh, of, of the life of the early church, uh, particularly in the upper room and, uh, and, uh, and Pentecost. Uh, it's, uh, Mary as a mother is, uh, is for us uh, a, not only a theological principle uh, but it is a presence in our life, uh, something that, uh, that we cannot uh, underplay or can't ignore. Don Bosco saying to the sisters, Mary is here today, and at the end of his life, uh, that last Mass, saying Mary has done it all, in realizing the, the fulfillment of that dream that he had at age nine, now that, that has to be a part of everything that we have. Uh, and uh, our devotion to Mary, uh, while it might be uh, while it, it might be wrapped up in prayers and novenas and so forth, uh, has a deeper underlying principle, underlying relationship, uh, which uh, which we live every day. Like a good mother, Mary doesn't stray far from us, and we feel her presence all the time, and we rely upon her as mother. And as help, as the the, the one who uh, uh, keeps us uh, connected with Jesus and uh, with the uh, with the fruitfulness in our life, the holiness in our life to which we are dedicated. Yeah, indeed, Mary is our help. She's there for us at every moment in every situation. 
especially if we feel any kind of danger or threat, she's there to support us and to guide us and to protect us. And I think when we look at um, Don Bosco's devotion to Mary Help of Christians, what we have to realize is, you know, today some people want to change that and say just plain Mary our help because they feel that it's bigotry or something to say she's the help of Christians as though she would not help others. That's absolutely not true. Mary's there for every one of God's children, everyone on this planet. She promised whoever enters a Salesian presence, a school, a youth center, a parish, well, she'll take them under her protection for life. And she wasn't discriminating there. But I think we have to also remember how we began this podcast. Um, Mary is there to help us be strong members of the church, faithful to her son, strong in our faith. And when we feel tempted or confused or not knowing where to turn and where to find the truth, she says, come, my son is the truth. Come, listen to him, do whatever he tells you. And she's there to protect us and safeguard us from mortal dangers, from losing our faith, or from anything that would harm us, anything that we could encounter. So turn to her and be sure that she will be there for us. I was always struck by by the by Mary as someone who accompanies us in good times and in bad, <clears throat> as uh, someone who is always there. Uh, the mother of Jesus was there you know, in, in, in times of, uh, of exile, in times as a, as a refugee, in times of, uh, of having a son who is imprisoned and had perhaps being put, put to death, of, uh, of having a son who was lost and could not be found. Uh, Mary was there. Uh, Mary, you know of her as perhaps the first evangelist uh, and uh, the, the one who carried Jesus in her womb uh, and uh, brought Jesus to her cousin Elizabeth. Uh, she has a way, I think, of, uh, of, uh, of uh, preaching to us by her very person without us even realizing it. Uh, the Holy Father, in his uh, letter on holiness, had a beautiful quote uh, that, that, that I haven't seen brought up very much. But it's towards the end. And he said, we have to see Mary as uh, one of the sources and greatest strengths of our pursuit and call to holiness. And he said, uh, we have to realize uh, the effect of whole, her, her holiness on her son, Jesus. She said, uh, he pointed out that when Jesus was at that, um, at the Sermon on the Mount and delivered the beautiful uh, lesson on the Beatitudes, he said, we have to realize that he experienced all of those Beatitudes in Mary. Oh, that's beautiful. In the time in which he was growing up. And so for us, this, the, the, for him, it, it wasn't something that he had to craft on his own but rather to think about what he experienced in his mother. And that therefore, when they were on, when he was on the cross, and he saw her and he saw John down below, certainly he was interested in securing her protection. But he was also interested in making sure that John had the best companion. He knew she was a good mother and would be a mother for him and for the church. And so therefore she said, this is your mother. Amen. That's beautiful. That's that's good stuff right there. That is something to to pray about and to yeah. I have not spent much time on that, but that is a, a beautiful reflection. I appreciate that. Oh, and how lucky that we have like the human example of it too. Like I think if there was just this inspired text that only said this, and it wasn't this like real lived experience of a man and a woman, a woman that was a mother, and then a man that like came and saved us, but. 
that it's like this real like human suffering like mary really did suffer in all the ways that you just said all the joys of of life that we experience ourselves she also had all the the fear and the doubt and the of, of faith of being like okay i'm gonna be the mother of god and an angel talk to me how weird um like she also had all of these experiences that we in turn experience um i think just make it easier Somebody said something very similar, not the Beatitudes part. That was really just beautiful to look at it that way. But like Jesus's humor came from somewhere. Like the way that Jesus made friends and led people and prayed all came from an example. Um, and who would be his examples, right? Like the Holy Family. And I think the, how beautiful to connect all of that. But then to have that part that you said that like Mary looked at John and was like, here's your mother. But that's him speaking to us. Like, here's the mother not only the church but for you like if you need someone to turn to like this is who you can also look to in your time of need so just beautiful to think about it that way we have to think of joseph as well mm -hmm. oh my gosh that, joseph that, i always think it's left behind and he's powerful thank you no we can like, remember joseph <laughs> i agree very good so we're coming to the end here so mm -hmm. we just have our our last question yes um something simple but something practical you know for for young people if you could speak to just if you could speak to a young person right now, and we do have, we do have young people who are listening, past pupils who are listening to this podcast. And so to speak to them about some advice, some practical advice of how to remain faithful to the church, to um, the Pope, Mary, you know, just a few, you know, a few practical things that they can do to enkindle that love for the universal church, that love for our Holy Father, for um, being a member of this of this church, so maybe a, a, just a few practical things that you could offer to young people. I think the first would be what Vicky said before: formation. Stay informed. Find out. You know, read up. Like, what do we time spend our time reading and watching and listening to? Spend some time getting to deepen what it, what are the teachings of the church and our beautiful faith and. Our devotion to Mary, our devotion to Saint Joseph. You know, just spend time getting some personal formation. That's great. I think on this feast of uh, Saint Francis de Sales, when we're making this podcast, uh, you can do no better than to think of the main message of Saint Francis de Sales, which is that uh, we fully appreciate how much God loves us, and God loves me, and God loves you. Deeply personal and values us and can want nothing better than for us to love others and love him back. Uh, God has loved us first. We didn't have to earn that. This was freely given. And why he fell in love with me, I have no idea. <laughs> you know, we may have to sometime have a, con have a conversation about that. But that's the way it is. And, and, well, I might not feel lovable, you might not feel lovable. Why we not feel worthy of, of responding with generosity or perhaps of initiating, uh, integrating ourselves with the life of the church or in any one of its uh, ministries or apostolates. Uh, we are called to holiness and there is no doubt about that. And so we, we, we just with great trust to give ourselves into that uh, into that response to God's love, but but mostly that uh, God loves us. God uh, hasn't loved us because we are so great. God loves us because He is so great. And then then look around for the people and the situations right where you are, right where you live, where that love is missing. As Mary said, they have no wine. You know, look around with those eyes of the Blessed Mother and with a protective, caring glance of St. Joseph and see where the need is and see who needs that smile or that to know, come to know this love of God and be there and get others to join you to be there and be strong, help each other because working together makes us stronger. Amen. And yeah, just an encouragement, though, to there's so many resource, resources out there now at your fingertips, whether it be online, YouTube, podcasts, uh, whatever it is, you know, there, 
there's a lot of people doing a lot of really good and beautiful work out there, um, from Bishop Barron to Ascension Press to all these places that you could go to find so many good resources and, and begin that journey of deepening your faith. And then, uh, and then, like you said, go find find a place to serve, find a place to be involved, to, to get to Mass and to look at your community and, and to really get involved into into the church mm-hmm. uh, because we... This is where we're strong. This is where we're meant to be. This is what we were created. God came and he, he created and he built this this church. So uh, let us get involved. Let us go forth together um, on this mission and, uh, and, and be joyful about it and give witness. So Salesian family loves you guys. And uh, we would like to just close out in prayer. We always ask our guests to pray. So I'm looking directly at Sister Denise. <laughs> so we can encourage and uh, just lead us out in a, in a prayer, if you could, Sister. All right. Father Steve, Vicki, Father Tom, thank you all. And um, I can't imagine any better prayer than the one that Don Bosco said with Bartholomew Gorelli on that very first day. So everybody. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hail Mary. Full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Mary, help of Christians. Pray for us. San Bosco and Mother Mazzarello. Pray for us. St. Joseph. Pray for us. And St. Francis de Sales. Pray, Pray for us. Son of the Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Sister Denise. Thank you, Father Tom. Thank you, Vicky. Thank you. Thanks for everybody who's listening, and we will see you next week. All right. Bye bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>